0: Our reading today comes from Joshua 24. And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the leaders of Jericho fought against you, and also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I gave them into your hand, and I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in which in whose land you dwell but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord this is the word of God
1: thank you stephanie you may have a seat it's great to be with you this morning as we conclude our series in Joshua this morning I'm grateful for the time that we've had in this book Uh, As we are going to our seats, let's pray and uh, ask God to help us understand his word. Father, we are grateful to once again be gathered under your good care and before your great and glorious face. Pray that as we gather, that we would be encouraged in the Lord. That we would know and trust and treasure, treasure Jesus above all pray that we would desire to serve you with our entire heart, that there wouldn't be a a part of us that would want to hold anything back from serving our good Father. But we know we need your help. We know we are prone not to do that. We're prone to do that with the wrong heart, and so we We desperately need you as you did the very first time, Spirit, where you opened our hearts to the reality and treasures of Christ, where you took a heart of stone and made it a heart of flesh. We need you all the more, even this morning. Thank you for being with your people. Thank you for having us be in this place at this time to hear from you. And we do pray we hear from you. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'm going to guess that uh, if you have been to a home or maybe even a business, that at some point along the way, you have seen a sign or a placard, or in our case, at our home, we actually have a a little gardening stone that has Joshua 24, verse 15 on it. It's probably the, the most popular verse from the book of Joshua that says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I was in a business, actually, uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, and, and this sign, this verse, was on a little uh, placard behind the, the service desk when you walk in, and the, and the gentleman who uh, owned the business uh, reminded me several times as he pointed to that sign, this business will serve the Lord. As for me and my business, we will serve the Lord, and then he went on to say, not those other people out there, those those godless people out there, those blankety-blank godless people out there. They don't serve the Lord, I serve the Lord, and he kept pointing to the sign. Now I don't want, uh, I want to be as gracious as I possibly can, uh, so I don't want to impugn this man's character, but I would say that there seemed to be a lot of pride in the fact that he would serve the Lord. I wonder if this is one of those verses, there's a few of them in the Bible, we can sometimes call these verses coffee cup verses. Because you just take them out of context and place them on a sign or a side of a coffee cup. I wonder if this might be that type of verse. And I'm hoping as we conclude our series in Joshua and conclude chapter 24 that we might be able to see if this passage can help frame a little bit better what this verse is actually trying to tell us this morning. I hope that you've enjoyed our time in Joshua. It's been a great encouragement uh, to my heart. Uh, I've learned a lot through it, and I pray that the Lord has uh, taught you some things as well. The, the biggest overall theme from the book of Joshua is that God is loyal to his words. what we've titled the entire series over the past several weeks. God keeps his promises. So what, what have we seen in the book of Joshua? We've seen a lot, haven't we? We've seen the people come out of the wilderness. We've seen them cross over the Jordan River. We've seen them get into the land. We've seen them take their inheritance. We've seen them get rest from their enemies. And so here in the remaining verses of the book of Joshua, the task is, yeah, you've inherited this land, and there is rest from your enemies. Now you have to keep the land. That's what Joshua is telling the people. You must keep the land. God will continue to bless you as you are strong and courageous to fully obey the Lord. And so here... Uh, In this last chapter of Joshua, Joshua, who's about to die, uh, we see that in in verse 29. He's 110 years old. He's on the verge of death at this point. And this is basically Joshua's farewell address to the people of Israel. He's giving a farewell address. He's also here in a few minutes. We're going to read, leading out in another covenant renewal ceremony. We've seen this already in the book of Joshua as well. So let me me give you the main idea for the passage this morning. Uh, what, What we'll do is summarize the passage. I'll give you three points that we can take away from Joshua 24, and then we'll go about our business. Does that sound good? Here is the main idea. And it's on, once again, the handout that you hopefully got on the way in. It has the announcements on one side and on the other side, a space for you to take notes. And the main idea is this. The church chooses to serve God in Christ alone. The church, the people of God, choose to serve God in Christ alone. Now, this morning, I'm mainly going to look at verses 14 through 28, but I I do want to make a couple of comments about the, the verses that come before that. If you would look with me in verse 1 of chapter 24, turn there real quick you see that Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. Now, why am I even bringing this up? This is mainly an aside, but it just reveals what a beautiful, uh, unbelievable author God is. So why is it a big deal that they're gathering at Shechem? This is the first time that people have gathered in Shechem in the book of Joshua. Well, What's cool about this is that Shechem is the place where God first spoke to Abraham back in Genesis 12. And what did he say to Abraham some 400, 500 years ago? He told him, I would give you this land. And he told him in Shechem. And here we are hundreds of years later, and God has given the people his land as they gather in Shechem, the very same place that he told Abraham. God keeps his promises. God is loyal to his word. Now, if we kept going, verses 2 through 13, I'm not going to read it this morning, uh, but if you were to read it, basically, it's a summary. God is giving a summary of all the things that he has done throughout the history of Israel. And so, starting with Abraham, who he reminds us was a pagan idolater. As we think about Abraham, we must remember that he was an idol worshiper, and he called Abraham out of the place that he left, that he was living to go. And so we see the history of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Esau, Moses, and Aaron. God has worked grace upon grace to bring them into Egypt with Joseph, then out of Egypt, and now into the promised land. And in this passage, it's all God. It's all God. It's his grace. It's his, as we were saying earlier, super abundant grace and mercy that has done this. It's a glorious history that Israel has. All the gifts of God given to them in grace. And then in verse 14, which is part of what Stephanie read just to, us, uh, to us just a minute ago, you see the word therefore, right? In verse 14, God has done all of this. He's rescued you. He's ransomed you. He's redeemed you. Therefore, what? What does Joshua tell the people should be their response? Well, let, let's read verses 14 through 28, and we'll get an idea of what their response should be. So once again, here's verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness, Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Verse 16, then the people answered, far be it from us. Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did great signs in our sight, and preserved us in all the way that we went, and among all the peoples whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Verse 19, But Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. And then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourself, that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they, are, and they said, we are witnesses. He said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord, our God, we will serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set it up there underneath the there was that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us, Therefore, it shall be a a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. You probably, in this passage, uh, heard a few things, but maybe one of the things that you picked up on is the word serve. You hear this word serve over and over again. In fact, uh, the word serve is... Uh, almost used exclusively here in the book of Joshua in chapter 24. Will God's people serve him or will they serve other gods? It's interesting because the way the book of Joshua is ending is very similar to the way the book of Deuteronomy ends, where as the people are on the precipice of going into the promised land, they are asked over and over again, once you get in there, who are you going to serve? Now they're in the land. They're in the land, but the question is still, who will you serve? Serving the Lord has actually been the the goal from nearly the very beginning uh, as God laid out for his people to Israel way back in Egypt. If you remember over and over again, uh, Moses, uh, as God has instructed him, is telling Moses, God says, let my people go that they may serve me. Over and over again. Let my people go, that they may serve me. Literally, let them not be your slaves, Pharaoh, but let them be mine. Who will you be a slave to? Now, Joshua takes an interesting tone in this passage. Maybe not exactly what we would expect We've said a few times that the book of Joshua has been a fairly positive book. It's been a very celebratory book in many ways because the people of God have come into the land. Their enemies have been defeated. Rest is now with them. They've gained an inheritance. And here we are at the end of the book. And it seems like it should be really, really positive and happy. And we'll tie it up in a nice little bow but Joshua has an interesting tone in this passage, does he not? It seems like he knows something about the human heart. It seems like Joshua knows a little, a little bit something about the human heart and its inclination towards sin. You, you read all that God has done in verses 2 through 13. And then he starts off in verse 14 with even after everything God has done for you. Over the course of hundreds and hundreds of years, with your forefathers, with you seeing it with your own eyes after everything that God has done for you, if you still think it's evil to serve the Lord, then just choose which false gods you're going to serve right now. You're either going to serve the false gods of the Egyptians, or you're going to serve the false gods. Of the land that you're in right now. So just pick, which one are you going to do? You're going to be a slave. Pick your slave, master. Is it going to be the Egyptians or the Canaanites? But then we read over and over again that the people are quite defiant. Did you hear that over and over again? No, 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 no. No, we will serve the Lord, we will obey the Lord you have seen what he's done for us. We see, this, we see the things that you're talking about, Joshua, and we will fear the Lord. We will obey the Lord. We will serve him. Joshua, don't worry. Those of you who've uh, been to a Christian camp, I, I've, I've been to camp before, and inevitably you get the camp high, right? You're there for what, a week? Uh, it's glorious. You've never felt closer to God. Uh, you've been stirred to worship. You've made lifelong friends. You, you feel like th- this feeling will never end. In fact, you even say that at the end of camp, that I will serve you, Lord, with my whole heart. I will be this way forever. I'm never going to do anything again that's going to uh, harm me or make you mad. I'm never going to let you down, God. Seems like Israel is a, is a bit on a camp high in this passage. They've seen a lot. They've been to the mountaintop. But it's interesting because in verse 19 in particular, if you look down at verse 19, Joshua says something that is so abrupt. One commentator I was reading this week said, this perhaps is the most shocking verse in the Old Testament, which is saying something if you've read your Old Testament. Look what he says in verse 19 you are not able to serve the Lord. What? What do you mean? Joshua, why would you say something like that? Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But the people say, yeah, we too. We we will serve the Lord over and over again. And Joshua says, no, you won't. No, you won't. Now, why would he say that? Why would he say that? Well, for one thing, he, he already knows that they have already begun to worship some of the Canaanite idols, some of the foreign gods. Look down at verse 23. He says, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you. Present tense. He doesn't say... then then don't uh, take on those idols of of the Canaanite gods. He doesn't say, don't do that in the future. He says, right now, put them away. He knows that they're harboring idols today. Even after all the incredible ways that God has brought them rest and the inheritance, they are already wandering away from God. And God will not coexist with our idols He will not coexist with idolatry. He is a holy and jealous God. Nevertheless, as we saw in this passage, Joshua goes on to make a covenant with the people. He renews the covenant. And and here in this passage, we also see the very last stones of remembrance. This has been a big theme in Joshua as well, right? We've seen stones stacked in different places for God's people to remember his work. And this stone is a witness. It's a witness against the people, lest they sin and deal falsely with God. So basically, the people of God will look at this stone and they will remember it is a witness. And they will remember what they said this day that they will serve the Lord, that they will obey the Lord, that they will fear the Lord. And they'll look at that stone. The question will be whether or not, in good conscience, they will still be able to say, We will follow and serve the Lord. Now, by the time the next page over, the book of Judges, by the time this book starts, we know that the answer is no. Joshua is dead there is no strong leader in Israel. The most common refrain in the book of Judges is that in Israel, quote, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's where we're going. So, everyone's happy and uplifted now, right? So let's, here we are, we're down here, like we're We're not feeling great about what we're reading and what we're considering right now, but what do we make of all of this? What do we make of this? How can Joshua make this assertion in verse 15 that he and his house will serve the Lord, but at the same time be almost as confident that the people of Israel won't? Now again, I I think that Joshua... uh, in in the divine operation of the Holy Spirit, even at this time, I think he knows something about the condition of the human heart. And the thing is, friends, that it's the condition of the human heart here in Joshua 24, and it's the condition of our heart now. It's the condition of our hearts in 2023. And so for the rest of our time, I want to consider with you three implications about our hearts. I think this passage speaks to three specific implications about our own hearts. And these again are on your handout. The first one is this: we serve idols with an unchanged heart. We serve idols with an unchanged heart. Joshua is warning the people that there are those among them that are worshiping foreign gods. Right? He's he has basically told them that. They're harboring idols of the surrounding culture. Their hearts are unchanged. They can't help but be a slave to sin and wickedness. And today, we might find folks serving a a multitude of of different gods, of of foreign gods, of of counterfeit gods. Our beloved Tim Keller died this week and. He has a book called Counterfeit Gods. He's over and over over again in his sermons talked about the idols in our lives, the counterfeit gods. We might find people worshiping money or power or sexuality while at the same time asserting that they are serving the Lord. If you've ever struggled through habitual sin yourself, or addiction, or maybe you are loving someone who is an addict, then you know what this sounds like. You know what this sounds like. This is the person that says, I will never do that again. I'm, I'm done with beer forever. I'm never gonna have another glass of wine ever again. But then as they sell it, say it, you can still smell the alcohol on their breath. Now, there is no doubt The people of God on this day were saying we will serve the Lord and at the same time had Canaanite idols hidden in their tents. If the heart is unchanged, idolatry will remain. Now, secondly, we serve God but from a prideful heart. We serve God but but from a prideful heart. I really do believe that there were people on this day in Israel that really did want to serve God. I don't want to impugn everybody there. I do think that there were some present that really wanted to serve the Lord, but they were doing so out of pride. They were wanting to do so out of their own strength, from a presumption that their own goodness and their own righteousness would mean that they would serve the Lord. In the Gospels, we read this on multiple occasions, uh, when Jesus tells his disciples that he's about to be arrested, he's about to be struck and killed, and he tells them that they will fall away from him the night before his death. And what does Peter say? You all know, right? Oh, no, no, Jesus, not me. I won't won't fall away, not me. I will never fall away. Jesus even tells him, you're going, Peter, not only to fall away, you're going to curse my name and deny me three times. And even after Jesus tells Peter this, he still says, no, I won't. I will not deny you. Friends, it's the presumptuous, arrogant heart that thinks they would never not serve the Lord. I think that's probably how a lot of Christians tend to view Joshua 24, verse 15. They probably think, all those other people, they will let you down, Lord. But as for me and my house, we, of course, will serve the Lord. And listen, I'm not condemning anyone If you have that sign up in your house, again, I told you, we have a garden stone in our backyard that has this verse on it. I'm not condemning the use of God's word to be put up in your home. In fact, we see a lot of symbols and signs in our cultures that are displayed in homes and businesses. And so, in in some ways, it's incredibly refreshing to have the word of God displayed in your home or in your business. I don't at all, want to condemn that. But my question is, when you look at that sign and read that verse aloud, where is your heart? What is your heart saying in that moment? I know know the tendency of my heart. It only comes after being humbled like Peter that we can truly serve the Lord. And that brings us to the third point. And I say truly because these first two, I would argue, really aren't serving the Lord. But how can we truly serve the Lord? We truly serve God only from a transformed heart. We serve God only from a transformed heart. How can it be that Joshua can say he will serve the Lord when he's skeptical that the rest of the people will? What gives Joshua the right to say that because his heart had been transformed by God. what we've seen this entire book with Joshua is someone whom the Lord has given a heart to trust and obey over and over and over again Joshua is the one who the Lord used mightily to bring his people from the wilderness and into the promised land. Time and time again in this book, Joshua has wholeheartedly worshiped the Lord. He has served the Lord and he has led God's people. We just think back in this book and how thankful we are for Joshua. We need a Joshua today. We need a Joshua we need someone who will lead us out of the idolatry of our culture. We need a Joshua that's going to lead us out of the sin of our own hearts and bring us to a place of true rest and true peace and true salvation. We need a, we need a new covenant. We need a new covenant. We need, we need a new stack of stones Friends, this Joshua that we're reading about here in this book, he's going to die. He's dead. But praise be to God that the greater Joshua, though he dies, he dies in our place. And as our resurrected Lord Jesus Christ now lives and reigns forever. Now, notice You've you've picked up on this, I'm sure we've read it over and over again. But in this verse that we're talking about, in verse 15, it says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? But here's the thing there's no record in Scripture of Joshua having a family. Joshua is not married, Joshua does not have any children. Joshua has no bride, he has no children. But our Joshua does. Our Joshua has a bride. And our Joshua has children. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 6 says that Jesus is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house. Jesus looks at people who are trapped in total slavery to other gods or to their own pride And he says to us, you are not able to serve the Lord. Jesus says, you are not able to serve the Lord. But I will. But I will. I'll come as your Joshua and serve the Lord perfectly for you. Isn't that freeing? That's the gospel. You couldn't do it. You won't do it. But he did, he will forever. And when Jesus says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, he means only by us being his family, only by us being the bride of this Joshua, Only by us being adopted children into the kingdom of God, only by us being his house, could we ever choose to serve the Lord. The only way we become adopted into this house is the gospel. We are bound to worship other gods or to try to serve God like a Pharisee in pride until the son comes to live and die in our place. And because he lives today, the church chooses to serve God in Christ alone. That's the only way we can. We are his house. And this is his choice to serve God with his whole heart. His house, his choice. So believer, what do we do with all this? How do we leave this book and leave this place and go into our Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays? We realize that even though our hearts have been transformed, and we could say hallelujah, that is the gospel, that is the redeeming work of Jesus Christ for us, that we do have transformed hearts. And so we do have hearts that can choose to serve the Lord. But we also know that sin remains. We know the wickedness that still remains in our own hearts, that we are prone to serve idols, or we're prone to rely on our own righteousness. But we've never stopped needing the grace and mercy of God. We still need grace and mercy from above. So, my question this morning is How is your heart? How is your heart? We've been redeemed from slavery to sin and pride to serve the Lord. That's our story. Our story is just like Israel's story. We've been redeemed from slavery. We've been brought into a new home and a glorious inheritance. And yet we keep hiding idols in our tents, don't we? We keep putting things in our tents that we shouldn't. Or we keep looking at our own goodness and righteousness and keep saying, those people failed you, Lord, but I never will. What's the Holy Spirit saying to your heart this morning? What would it look like this week, maybe in your discipleship group, or maybe over a cup of coffee with another brother or sister? What would it look like this week to confess which gods you're still tempted to serve? What are you hiding in your tent? Is it sex? Is it power? Is it money? Maybe you sit down with your discipleship group and, and say, uh, I, I have a prideful, ugly heart. I wanna confess that. I wanna ask God to soften my heart. I, I, I try to justify myself all the time. I try, to, I try to rely on my own righteousness apart from Jesus Christ. I try to look at that sign and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, but I say it with a proud heart, will you help me? As Joshua says here in this last chapter, fear the Lord in sincerity, sincerity and faithfulness. That's what we're called to do, brothers and sisters, is fear the Lord. But this is a gift that we're given by grace that we're only able to fear the Lord because of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Joshua says, incline your heart to the Lord. That's what we're called to do. We're supposed to incline our hearts to the Lord. But again, the only way we can do this is the grace and gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of repentance, the gift of acknowledging our sin before him and walking back toward the Lord and away from our sin. It's a gift given to us by our Joshua. And it's only when we receive these good gifts from God that we can say with all truthfulness and with an undivided heart that we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we, as your redeemed people, we choose to serve you We choose to obey. We desire to walk in the light. We desire to put to death the deeds and desires of our flesh. But we're hopeless without you. We will not do those things apart from you. We will run after false gods, We will try to chase after you with an unmoved, prideful heart. And so will you do your work, Spirit, to help us to walk in repentance? That we would walk in repentance where we have been serving other gods, where we have been worshiping at the idol of money or power or sex. Will you forgive us and help us where we are unmoved and prideful, where we try to rely on our own goodness, when we look only at our own selves and not toward you? Will you forgive us? Because, God, you are a God of superabundant grace and mercy. And you've shown us that most prominently in the person of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Our dear Jesus, our Joshua, thank you. Thank you that you made the choice to love and serve God with your whole heart. And as for your house, as for us, we are now able to choose to serve the Lord. Praise be to God. We love you and it's in Christ we pray. Amen.